Hello and welcome to this episode of the Curiosity Key podcast and today we're talking all about podcasting which seems to be the hot topic at the moment because one of my previous guests invited me to come and speak at the Asia Pacific Speakers Association Summit a couple of weekends ago all about leveraging podcasts and LinkedIn as strategic B2B marketing tools. So that was a lot of fun. And today my guest is the wonderful Mark Asquith. Now Mark and I share lots of uh, lots of interests, including DC Comics, Star Wars. We're both from the north of England, and um, we have a lot of fun on this podcast just talking about uh, podcasting and also what prompted Mark to set up not one, but four separate companies all to do with podcasting. And one of those companies I use is called Captivate.fm. It's what I use to host this podcast. And um, it's, it's, well, it's absolutely fantastic. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> but in this, uh, in this interview, we're sharing with you some tips and some tricks around how to get involved in podcasting, some exciting things that you can expect in the future, how to start your own show if that's something that you want to have a look at, how to become a guest on somebody else's show if that's something that you looking at some do's and some don'ts and yeah we're just talking a lot about the um the way that podcasting has evolved how many more people are getting involved in it why it's important why you should be using it not just as a listener but also as a contributor and more so i really hope that you get a lot from this interview i hope that you enjoy it and also um i do have a little companion pdf for you it's a little freebie because podcasting is a form of speaking and speaking is one of my top seven ways that you can market your business for free and a lot of businesses today are having to be very resourceful a lot of budgets are being pulled back so we have to take advantage of all of those things that are in front of us so this pdf will help give you some ideas around different ways that you can market your business for free speaking is one of them podcasting is included within that so there are a few tips in that too so if you'd like to get hold of that free resource, then just head to my website, that's charliewyman.com forward slash resources, and you can just download your copy there. It's a quick PDF, there's lots of ideas in there that you can use, and also if you do have any follow-up questions or you just want to talk to me about any of those things, then feel free to send me a message. So let's get stuck in, shall we? And let's dive into this podcast, and I hope that you enjoy it as much as I do. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Curiosity Key podcast and I am joined with the British podcasting guy Mark Asquith. Welcome Mark, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much Charlie, pleasure to uh, to be along here. I know, it's great and I love uh, interviewing people especially from this side of the pond about podcasting or about anything to do with marketing because uh, there's a lot of people uh, doing amazing things over the pond but not as many people over here uh, so and also somebody from Yorkshire too which is always a good thing. That is true actually and you know it's funny because when we I sort of started in podcasting like maybe end of 2013 um like everything I did was in the US and now just over the last, I don't know, like the last 15 months was more and more in the UK going on um, and doing more and more kind of UK interviews, UK events. So yeah, no, it's good. It's, it's fascinating to see how, um, like we'd sort of said the UK was about three or four years behind and I think that's kind of, it's compounding up a little bit. So I think we're about 18 months, two years behind now. So we're getting there. We are, we're catching up. 
brilliant brilliant so we're going to ask um i'm going to ask you the hot question of like which british podcast do you recommend at the moment because i'm always looking for uh, new podcast recommendations but oh, first my own literally my own <laughs> i'm just like not the podcast accelerate unless you want to learn podcasting then my my accelerator podcast accelerator show is great but um uh, the star wars one that i know you'll uh, you'll love the sparker rebellion show i just love it because I, I get to talk about star wars um but genuinely actually the the one that um and it's not because we worked together, but we, we, we did some work with uh, a guy called Steve Lazarus, who runs a show. We actually worked with him to conceptualize a show called Your London Legacy, um, which I really, really love. Like I was listening to it on the way in today, and I'm going to listen to it on the way home as well. Um, he just he has this fascinating range of guests. And the idea is, um, I can't remember the tagline it, that we created for it. It was something like telling the timeless stories of London, hidden London's hidden personalities. Um, so he's the, the one that I was listening to today is like Andy McNabb. He's got Alal Hardy, who's like the tattooist to the stars. And he's got some fascinating characters. So um, if you want in a UK centric podcast, Your London Legacy is badass. I, I really, really like it. I'll have, to, uh, I'll have to have a look at that. My current podcast favourite is the Jake Humphrey, Damien Hughes one, a mm. high performance podcast interviewing sort of sports heroes, entrepreneurs, all about high performance mindset. Uh, so if anybody's listening to this and wants a podcast, uh, then you've got a few to choose from there. But let's, let's talk about podcasting. What, what got you into podcasting in the first place? Um, it, was, it was actually DC Comics. Sounds a bit weird. Um, so I'm a, I'm a huge geek, as you know, uh, we've talked about it many times. Um, and anyone that's into DC, you sort of remember, like I was, I was kind of into comics as a kid, kind of never really collected them deeply, but always been into like mythology and stuff. It's why I love Star Wars. It's, it's why I love, um, DC Marvel stuff to a degree, but not quite as much. Um, and in 2011, DC relaunched um, their entire comics line with a new 52. They just basically said, like, like they did in 85 and then tried to do again a couple of times subsequently. Um, they said, look, we want to create a really good jumping on point for people where we'll reset everything. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I can start reading again because, you know, I don't have to catch up. I can kind of just start jumping in at this point. Um, and I kind of, I went down the rabbit hole on it and, and actually did go back to like all the comics from 1985 and I read them all right up to the relaunch in 2011. Um, and a mate of mine, Gaz Ehrlich, we, we, we were just, it was, it was similar to what we do on Twitter, really. We was just chatting and, and shooting the breeze on, I think it was DC Comics, that relaunch. Um, and we created this blog site called Two Shots to the Head, which was awesome. I loved it. Um, and that's a, it actually comes from a quote in Batman Dark Victory. Uh, it was a badass domain name. Um, and we, we we set ourselves this challenge of blogging once per day, minimum, for a year just to see what happened. And, we, you know, we ended up with, like, press passes to Thought Bubble and some of the comic cons. And I still get sent comic books to review to this day. Um, I don't know why we took it offline. It was silly. I think Gaz took, took it offline. We shouldn't have done We should have kept it. Um, and... He then said, we should podcast this. So this is like late 2013. I said, are you kidding me? Like, I, I, I like to wear clothes, not just underwear. And I don't want to sit in a basement talking about Lost. Surely that's the only reason to podcast. And he sent me this mic that you can see. Well, he actually didn't send me. He forced me to buy it. This blue snowball mic that you can see behind me on the video. Uh, he sent me that and made me get it. And that was what I started podcasting with. And it was terrible. Like, you know, if I, if I just... It's a podcast, so you're not going to see this, but I've got this blue snowball mic. Like the first time I held it, like my audio is quite nice now, but like I, this was on the desk in front of me. It was miles away. So if you ever listen to episode one of two shots, it's terrible audio. Gaz is ace because he's a real geek, but like my audio was terrible with this blue snowball. Um, but that's how I got into it. 
So that was kind of like May, June. Uh, actually, that was the end of 2013. And in about May time, 2014, in my agency, I used to run a digital agency called Hacksaw. Um, and a lot of people said, how the heck are you able to work with big clients? Like we used to do work for Adobe and Bosch, New York Times and a few others um, from this little office in Barnsley. And people said, how the hell are you able to get those clients and those contracts? And just generally ask me about like personal, like I'd start to get into personal branding and start to write my own opinion pieces. Um, and that segued with um, Smashing Magazine. They let me down. They commissioned a, a big article from me. Um, and they never published it. And I put like heart and soul into this. I'm talking, this is a 12,000 word article on setting up a creative business. It's still on my website, markasquith.com now. That's um, like half a book. <laughs> oh, it was huge. Yeah, I should turn it into a book. Um, in fact, I think I actually planned to do it and never did. Um, it's huge. It is huge. Um, and they turned me down. They basically said, look, we love the article, but we decided not to use it. We're going to change tack and go this way with the, this, this series of content. Well, you absolute, you know, I've put so much time into this. And that's when I started my first, uh, my first kind of podcast under my own brand, which was doing very much what we're doing now, which was interviewing. Um, I, I was I was taking straight talking business people and just kind of getting under the skin of them a little bit. But I devised a really lazy format where they would give me all the content. So right from day one, I'd set up this uh, this podcast format where they would fill in what they wanted to talk about. They would give me the three actionable tips at the end. They gave me, and I just didn't have to do any prep. And the content was actually really good. And now everyone's doing that. Now everyone's like, oh yeah, you got to fill this in. And I'm just, I was like doing this years ago. It's, it's part of why we do what we do now. Um, so long story short, which is actually probably a long story, even longer. We, um, I had to try and plug like some old podcast hosting like Libsyn into my WordPress site and all that crap. And I was like, this is, I'm fortunate because I do web builds and I'm into kind of tech and stuff. But why is this so hard for the layman? So we created podcast websites, which was and still is a managed WordPress platform for podcasters. And that was our first foray into podcast business. Um, and then we've just stemmed from there. I got bored of the agency. I got out of that. It's, I, I just, I'm not into the agency model. Um, and now we do everything in podcasting. So that was how I got, in, got into it. I, I'm one of those people that get a bit obsessed with something. So like I got into podcasting and wanted to know everything about it and then wanted to just try and solve the problems. Um, and now the startups come in left, right and center. You know, there are startups solving problems that don't even bloody exist in podcasting. But this is 2013, 2014 before really the UK in particular knew that much about it. In fact, I remember, I'll tell you this. Um, I remember going back to, um, we used to do a lot of work with local authority on EU funded creative projects for businesses. So we'd like get commissioned by the local authority and funded by them to help a business overhaul the creative and, and market themselves better. And we get paid by the EU for that. Um, thanks Brexit for that no longer existing. Um, and we, I then took this idea of getting into podcast tech to that creative, like this supposedly very forward thinking creative uh, and digital sector in, in Barnsley where I was and got totally laughed out the door. They were like, nah, podcasting's rubbish. It'll never take off. I don't know why you're doing it. You're wasting your time. And now four businesses in all bootstrapped apart from productivity, you know, doing easily seven figures in, in within 12 months. Now they're all kind of coming back and saying, how do we do this? And it's just, the reason I'm saying that is not to sound like a crass, arrogant fool. It's just more to kind of pinpoint that fact that 
um, when you set off on a project and you really kind of throw everything into it, there'll be so many people that just have not got your mindset yet that will kind of throw you down. Um, and it's, it's especially in the creative, the marketing sectors, there'll be so many people that don't have your vision that are ready to tell you that it's wrong. Um, so that's a huge lesson, I think, for so many people to learn. But that's that's the long story <laughs> uh, <laughs> of, of podcast. I can do a longer version if you want, but I don't think we need to. That's the long story of how I got into it. Brilliant. So there's a couple of things that you just said that I do want to dive into a little bit. So the first one was that you started this blog where you you made a point of blogging every single day. Now, a lot of small businesses that are doing their own marketing don't have time to blog once a week or once a month. So how did you make time to blog once a day? And also, why did you choose a daily blog? So to the first part of the question, um, everyone's got time to do anything once a day. Um, that's just a flat out excuse that we make. If you just, if you, if you can't find the time, it doesn't matter enough. Like we all yeah, find the time to drink enough. water or have a brew or eat. Um, and we always find time to go to sleep. You know, it's the things that we've got to do to live. So they're important to us. So we find time for them. Um, and I think when people don't do it because they say they're busy, it's because they don't understand how important it can be. And they just see it as, well, I'm doing a blog. What does that matter? Um, so that's that's kind of the first part of it. You know, it, it, anyone can find time to do anything. Um, why do we choose a daily blog? Well, two reasons, really. One, to make sure we could keep up with it. And that set me the discipline. You know, I did a daily podcast for a while. Then I've trimmed it and tweaked it and changed it. And, you know, I used to batch my interviews up. I used to do Monday nights. Um, my podcast interviews, I used to record four at a time and release two per week. Um, so I was always like way in front and it got it, that, that daily blogging got me the discipline. So that was, that was point one. Point two was we were a brand new site. We needed domain authority. Quickest way to get domain authority is to, um, make sure that other people are linking to things that you're writing. And the only ways to really do that is do interesting stuff that is a little bit, uh, contrarian or is a little bit divisive or certainly owns an opinion and people look at and they link back to it because it's an opinion that they either get behind or they hate or to be timely when something happens to react to it very quickly and that's why we did it so we did a daily blog to build domain authority by using those two types of technique so there's a lot of stuff that you just said there that anybody listening can go and take away first one really important which is about finding a way to be disciplined about what it is that you're doing so even if it is just once a week or even if it is just once every other week or every month be disciplined in the way that you're doing it and also consistency breeds trust so if you want your market to trust you be consistent with your approach and then the other thing that you were saying as well is don't just write blogs around the things that you're interested in understand what your target audience is interested in responding to and engaging with because otherwise you're not going to get everything that you wanted out of it so really really good tips there for you. Um, and then the other question as well that came up, which was around uh, podcasting as well and, and becoming known. Why is podcasting such a good tool for sort of any business to kind of broadcast their message or get people alongside what it is that they're doing? Well, it's an interesting question. So the thing is, there's a few, a few ways to unpack this one. So number one, it's not as easy and not as good as it used to be in terms of I can plug a microphone in and instantly do well. It's still the best medium, but the approach has changed. So when I started in 2014 doing, doing my own solo stuff, no one was really podcasting. Like there are four, five, six times the amount of podcasts now that there were then. So about 1.3, 1.4 million. It's about 220,000 when I started. Um, so 
everyone wanted to be on a podcast, but they were the early adopters. So all the guests were the early adopter guests. Now everyone wants to be on a podcast because someone has told them that it's great. Like PR companies like, get on podcasts. It's brilliant. And it's easy because we're PR companies. We can get you on them. It's easy for us. Um, <clears throat> the problem is that doesn't map at all to anything that you've just said about how to market, which is who cares about what book you're selling, mate? Because if my listeners aren't interested and my business, the people that I want to sell to are going to be interested in your book, then there's no point in me having you on as a guest. I'm just patting myself on the black back to say that I recorded an episode. So there's disparity now where there wasn't before because now there are so many podcasts and so many tighter niches. I can get really granular on what I want to listen to. Um, so back in 2014, I was... Um, Again, I get obsessed with stuff and I always rather than I've got this weird mindset, like rather than work from the bottom and try and work up, I pitch for the I pitch for like ridiculously high things and see where I land. And you always end up higher and you always end up doing it quicker if you do it that way. So I applied that strategy to guests. So I got like first 20 episodes. Um, you got some local people that I knew that are fantastic. I got a guy Kawasaki, Chris Brogan, someone from his Dragon's Den, uh, a couple more people from Apple. Um and then about three months later, I was speaking at events, like literally never spoken before. I was just like, I've, and I've spoken at every podcast movement, every podfest, Harvard, TEDx, all that stuff. And that all came from the podcast. Now, the reason I say that is to actually fully answer the question. Why is it so good? Well, if you approach it like everyone did back in 2014, 15, 16, which you just get anyone onto your show just to pat the back and say that you've recorded an episode and look at me, I've got a podcast. That ain't going to work anymore. It worked then because there wasn't that many podcasts. So what I would do as a listener, I kind of make do. You know, I'm interested in 50% of it. The other 50% doesn't matter to me, but it's better than not having a podcast in my niche. Now it's so granular. So authority, that's the first thing, okay? You've got to decide what you want from it as a business. Are you trying to build a network? Because if you are, do an interview show and pitch for the highest, biggest possible guests you can ever imagine, and you will get them. Um no doubt about that. Because everyone, like, I've not shut up. You've barely said anything. Like, we love doing this as guests. It's our ego. You just stroke the ego, let it roll. It's easy. And it's great because if you want to build a network, that's the way to do it. You know, that is the way to do it. Um, if, on the other hand, you want to go the other way, and this is, again, why it's different to, like, 2014, 15, 16, even 2017 and 2018, because none of the stuff I'm about to tell you existed then. But if you want to sell stuff, if you want to use it as actual marketing, so not networking, not building up your own authority, if you want to sell stuff and build product-based authority or brand-based authority, you've got to research, like you said, Charlie, you've got to research what people want and what people are asking. Guess what? This is blogging 2.0, 5.0, 10.0, whatever. Because now Google's showing rich snippets. And those rich snippets are podcast interviews and podcast episodes. So if you've got to get really strategic about what you're doing. So if you do that, um, so kind of just to distill that down, the two great reasons to do it are, number one, if you don't have a network, if you're building a startup, if you're a new business person or you're a tiny business that wants to expand, get connected with people and you will build a network very, very, very quickly. There's a reason that when we go to New York, I'm able to go to VaynerMedia to have a coffee. And it's because we've literally just went, I, I'm Mark, I've got a podcast, we work in podcasting, fancier coffee. Not anything shy about it. You know, there's a reason that you can get to the people that are seemingly untouchable. 
the second thing, like I said, to distill it down, if you want to sell stuff, treat it like content marketing, treat it like blogging, do your research, answer questions, build authority that way. So that every, and this is classic, you know, everyone knows this, but you want to appear in the search results every time someone refines their search down. Like I'm just buying a new TV. I need a new TV. Okay. TV sizes for, for the room. Okay. My podcast episode should be there on my YouTube channel. And then I refine it down. LG. OLED versus QLED versus AMOLED, whatever, LED. I want to be there as well. So build your strategy for your podcast around that. Um, and that's why it's so good because you can react very quickly. Like I, I don't have to write. I don't have to really, if I'm an expert, like by virtue of turning on my microphone, I'm already confident enough to think I know enough about something to have the balls to press record. So you don't have to, if you don't, you don't have to plan that much. Like if something happened, Spotify bought, if Spotify bought another podcast startup today, I would come in here, press record and give my reaction because it's not like blogging where you've got to type and think and you can just wax lyrical because you are already the expert. So, I mean, that, that's a multitude of reasons why podcasting is so good. I, like I said, I'm like the, the typical podcaster. I don't show up when you ask me a question. No, it's great. And I think like podcasting is something that, um, I'm fascinated by and I always say that I'm still quite new to the whole podcasting world even though I launched a podcast for a client a couple of years ago they've um I think they've just hit 120 episodes of their podcast mine I think this will be episode 35 36 so it's still kind of new um but one of the one of the main drivers for me for launching my own podcast was exactly that it was all about networking it was all about interviewing different people finding out and for me it's been a great research tool as well as being able to sort of showcase the great stuff that people are doing that don't necessarily know about it. However, what's curious is that my, that this podcast, as you're listening right now, will change a little bit more. So it's still going to be loads of valuable tips and loads of valuable things, but there will be a slightly different focus and different strategy because one of the biggest mistakes, well, I say it's a mistake. It wasn't a mistake at all. When I launched this podcast, I did it as a bit of an experiment because I wanted to see how it went. I wanted to develop my skills as an interviewer. I wanted to get in front of some different people and expand my network, like Mark said. Um, and you know, I feel like I've, I've done that to a point now and it's time. I like, I have a little sign that says, suck it up princess. It's time to put your big girl pants on because hit and record and me just talking has always been something that I'm not that comfortable with. Whereas recording a video, absolutely fine. Writing a blog, happy days can do it. But I think what you were saying as well is that if you're a small business and you're doing your own marketing, you've got to find out what works for you. What do you find interesting? What do you find easy and accessible? And focus your energies on that until you're ready to explore different things. If you don't feel comfortable doing video, do audio. If you don't feel comfortable doing audio, do video first and then see how you get on with audio. And it's all about finding something that you find fun because let's face it, we didn't start our businesses to be great marketers. <laughs> But we're all doing marketing for ourselves because we want to get in front of our target market. We want to start building that authority, showcasing our credibility, and then start getting clients. And for anybody that's listened to an older episode of this podcast, I interviewed Lena Gothberg, who has the Shipping Podcast. And that's what she did. She saw a, a niche in her industry. She wanted to expand her network and she wanted to showcase all the great things that people are doing within the shipping industry and raise the profile of an industry that is so misunderstood. So 
what Mark was saying there is that there are so many different strategies that you can use. Podcasting is a tool. Podcasting is a delivery mechanism. But unless you've got the right strategy and you know what objectives that you're working towards, you can find yourself like all over the place or a little bit overwhelmed. Um, so objectives is always an interesting one because also with, with metrics, um, what metrics do you recommend that people keep track of when it comes to podcasting? So if they have honestly, their own podcast to start with. Honestly, it's whatever you want. Now, I know <laughs> that's a really broad and flippant answer, and I'm saying that on purpose because no one expects that answer. Everyone expects email signups and downloads. You know, they're the two because it's easy. And sure, they need to be going up. You know, they're the things that you need to go up. But like your business is different to me. You know, what, what do I want to happen in Captivate? Well, we're a software platform. So what do I want? Well, ultimately, I want more traffic. Then I want more trials. Then I want more activations. I want less churn um, and more advocacy. So I can use a podcast to push any one of those up. And then I can use a podcast to even start to fill up my funnel. I can start to become quite um, resilient with my testing. You know, how do I make sure something's working? Well, a podcast is a really quick way of doing it. You know, you push out one episode and you try one call to action and you promote it, you promote it, you promote it. If it doesn't work, you try something else and you find something that works. So it's very quick to spin stuff up. So obviously your audience needs to be going up, but you know, I, I would, I would posit that you don't need to worry too much about that. Like I would rather you had a hundred downloads, a hundred people listening to your podcast and 90 of those signed up, then get 10 signups from 50,000 listeners because it's, and that's a wild example. You know, those ratios are obviously excessive, but the point that I get to is that so many people check the download numbers and try and push them up. But then two years time, in fact, I did an episode today. I forgot about this. I batch recorded it. Um, I'm fairly sure it's today. Um, I should really know what I've released today. You're doing um, well at 2.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> oh, honestly. Honestly, this is my first day back from properly from kind of moving house as well. So I'm like, what day is it? What time is it? Where do I live? What's my, where's my work address? It's just, uh, it's always fun. I so, hate that fu that fuzzy moment where you do something quite sick, like cause moving house is one of, I think it's one of the three most significant events that can happen to you. And then you come back to sort of like normal work life and you're like, uh, what time is it? Like, who am I? Who am I? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and it's a killer. You're like, oh, I, I forgot to eat at the normal time. Now I'm hungry. And like, I don't know why it throws your routine out. But anyway, um, so I recorded an episode and released it today, which is when should podcasting pay its own way? Because so many people say, well, I've got 10,000 downloads. Why am I still paying for my hosting? Don't have a sponsor and can't monetize it. I'm like, well, what's, what's that got to do with your downloads? <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? I, I might hit 50,000 golf balls every single year. Why don't I, why don't TaylorMade or why don't Nike or why don't someone come to me and say, I want to sponsor you because I'm not very good. And it doesn't matter how many bloody golf balls I, I'm just not very good. So the point is that if you, and I, I waxed lyrical about this a hell of a lot on the show. Um, if you expect the results of a business to come from your podcast, then treat the bloody podcast like a bloody business because you can't have it both ways. You know what I mean? It's like it's like going to the gym once a year and expecting to be Dwayne Johnson's. You know what I mean? Dwayne Johnson's. Dwayne Johnson's. Just <laughs> He's multiplied. He's multiplied. One rock. He's not far off, to be fair. Um, and, 
you know, you, 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 you can't have low input and expect high output. So when it comes to back to the question, what metrics should you make? Yes, measure your downloads. They should be trending upwards. But what are you getting from those downloads? What the hell are you planning on? You know, you need some kind of funnel. How do you get people to channel shift? Where do you want them to channel shift to? From listening to an email list, from listening to your Twitter engagement with, through to an email list, starting a trial, uh, going over to your YouTube channel. You know, you got to figure this out and you got to plan it in. Because what everyone truly believes, now, honest to God, right, this is largely due to quote-unquote entrepreneurs online selling crap, right? Because what <laughs> they'll do is they'll say, start a podcast, guess, guess what? It's the trendy thing to do and I'm going to create a 97 bucks course and sell it. But I've got really no idea because I'm just a wrote entrepreneur on, on, on my website. So I must be an entrepreneur. So then what they do is they sell these courses that say, right, you launch a podcast, then you monetize a podcast. Sweet. That would be amazing if that was the case. Show me one business that unlocked its door and cashed its first check. Doesn't happen. You have to do the work in between. And this is kind of a bigger, I mean, we're getting into rant territory, but this is <laughs> like a bigger fallacy than just podcasting. You know, it's business, it's marketing. Just because you have a domain name doesn't make you an entrepreneur. Just because you have a podcast doesn't make you an entrepreneur. Just because you sell knowledge, you are not an entrepreneur. Richard Branson is a frigging entrepreneur. All right. We are just small business owners that happen to need content to market and podcasting is just one of them. It is um, very refreshing to hear you say that because I think I, I definitely share your soapbox with that. And somebody <laughs> somebody described me as that once and I was like, crikey, I am definitely not an entrepreneur. I am a, you know, I have a small business. I have a business that um, I sold for as much as I invested in it many years ago. But yeah, no, small business owner and kind of like focus on the things that you're good at. But exactly what you're saying too is that, you know, know what you want to get out of something, understand the intentions behind doing something, because setting up a podcast is not as quick and as easy as a lot of people like, you know, make you think. If you want the easy route, then find other people's podcasts and be interviewed on theirs. But again, if you're going to do that, understand the intention behind the activity. So you know what you're doing, what you want to get out of it, and also what you're going to do with the things that you get out of it as well. It's a bit like um, I speak to so many people that are like, I really want to generate leads from LinkedIn. And I'm like, brilliant. Okay, so let's have a look at what you've got already. And we'll have a look at their network. And they are already sitting on a network full of leads. They've got thousands of connections all in their target market. So the problem is that they don't need more leads. They need to know how to convert the leads that they're getting. And they need to know how to communicate with them. Same with podcasts. It's, you know... Um, you need to know what you want to get out of it in order to, to make it a success. And I like what you were saying before about like having a look at downloads and not just looking at the download figures either. And it kind of comes back to an article that I read many years ago. It's by a guy called Kevin Kelly, all about a thousand true fans. So if anybody listening to this has not read that article, it's not a book. It won't take you a long time. Just go and read it. It was written years ago and it's just such solid stuff. And uh, one of my previous guests, so Robin Kennedy, they um, are all about, him. I think, aren't you, aren't you doing an interview later with Robin Kennedy? I'm not, I'm not sure. Someone at my business is doing a webinar with Robin Kennedy. Oh, there today. you go. <laughs> that is the entire level of my knowledge on that. Um, 
But yeah, that's that's what you get when you move house. There I don't we go. even know if I own a business anymore. <laughs> so Rob and Kennedy, uh, they're really good friends of mine and they're just brilliant, brilliant human beings. And they teach email marketing and have um, software and do all sorts of cool things. And they were saying that they have a client that turns over a solid six figures in their business every single year. And their mailing list is, they've got 70 people on their mailing list. Seven zero. And it's that like, you know, they talk a lot about, you know, everybody says to them, how do I get like loads and loads of people on my mailing list? That was one of the mistakes that I made when I first started my business. I was like, right, I need loads of people on my mailing list because everybody was coming at you saying that this is what you need. But actually it's not. It's a focus on, right, okay, how can you create that fan base? How can you make people keep wanting to come back to you? Um, And then I always say that everybody talks about marketing, all of the marketing books, it's all about, you've got to be visible in your market. You've got to, you know, awareness is so important, but in such a noisy marketplace that we have today, it's not good enough just to be visible or just to make people aware of you. You've got to make them curious and you've got to make them want to keep coming back and more and more curious and excited about the prospect of working with you. And I think as well, like, like with video and audio, it's a really good medium for sharing personality and getting people to want to know more. Like what are your thoughts yeah, it on that? Is. Yeah, and that's that's kind of um, where my head was going as well, like the personality side of things, because you know we're, we're all told that we need this personal brand, um, and a lot of people don't really know what that means, and a lot of people think that's being Gary V. You know, and when you talk to Gary, he's, he's great, and like I got a lot of time for him, um, and I've been fortunate enough to be around him enough to know the different to a degree, the couple of slightly different sides that he's got. Um, you know, I've been in very in- intimate environments. I've had dinner in a in a, in a, uh, a tiny little restaurant in New York with him and a few other people. And I've been at the big events. You know, I've been at VoiceCon. Um, I've been at some of the other places and, and a couple of places in between. Now, again, I don't sound that to be like, oh, look at me. I know the person online that's got a verified tick. The reason that I'm saying that is that a lot of people mistake personality for being Gary Vee, which is to create a pile of content when Gary's got a team that does it. And to swear a lot, I swear a lot, but that's, I've been doing that since I was like, I don't know, probably awkwardly like 10 years old. Um, (laughs) I'm from Barnsley. I can't help it. Um, But a lot of people equate that personal brand and, and, and personality and being quote unquote authentic, which frankly, no one really knows what that means. You know, it's what these, it's the same entrepreneurs from earlier telling you that you've got to be authentic when they're actually just full of crap by selling you something that they've never done. And so what we do is we get confused, all right? So we look at what personality is working for other people and we think that we've got to be that. But what we've actually got to do is just stand by the same stuff. You know, like when you've had that third drink on a Friday or a Saturday night and you start to get a little bit animated, that's the stuff that we've got to stand by because that's the stuff that we really believe because the inhibitions are lowered and that's where... Very many podcasters, very, very many YouTube creators don't put enough of that into it. So what I mean is that they think they're being animated and quite, you know, they're, they're being quite um, audacious and quite bold and, that you know, they're, they're, their inflection is is changing a lot. And actually, they're not. They're like, and I believe you need to be doing email marketing. You know, they're very one-dimensional. You've got to be, number one, on your delivery, you've got to be super animated. You have to be like 150%. Like, imagine if you're on karaoke and you want that personality to come out. Like, the second that you give 150%, 
is just about the time that the audience notices that you're putting in any effort at all. So if you give your 100%, everyone's like, oh, that person's just stood there singing into a mic. If you if you just go over and above, it's only then they start to notice. And that's what you've got to do with your personality. So, you know, don't be faux authentic. Don't be Gary Vee. Stand by the stuff that you have a strong opinion about. And it really is that three kind of drink rule. The second that you start getting a bit animated on a night out, that's the stuff that you really, really like. And that's the stuff that you can talk about forever. Um, and that's the stuff that you should deliver and how you should deliver it on your podcast. Um, and I think one of the key things with this is um, that, that you, you know, you are going to annoy a few people. I once got a, an unsubscribe to my email list that just said F off. And I was like, brilliant. I will. Thanks. Appreciate it. And, you know, if you just, if you let those people, um, kind of rule your decision making and how much personality you put into it, you'll never get anywhere. You've got to understand that, you know, those 70 people on that email list with Robin Kennedy, you know, the, the, there are probably 10x the amount of people that those people will never work with, you know. So there are probably 700 people that have unsubscribed or who have seen their email list and thought, no, they're not for me. But the 70, for every one that they've attracted, they've earned five, 10 times the revenue than they would from any of the other people signing up. So it's the quality of things. It's, it's not the quantity of things. Um, and it's back to Kevin Kelly, a thousand true fans. But I think the personality thing is a real problem because especially if you come from like a corporate environment, you're told not to be like, I, I pretty much, I was like that far from getting sacked from every corporate job that I've had because like they were boring and the people that were managers were frankly idiots and they were idiots because they were just doing what was in the book. You know, they could, the, the book could have said, donate half your salary back to your own manager um, and it will get you a promotion. And they would have done it because they had no ability to think any differently. And I think when you, when you're taught like that, when you're bred like that, um, you, 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 you don't find it easy to move into be more personality led into be more quote unquote authentic into doing podcasts and YouTube, because you've been told that that's not quote unquote professional when actually the person wearing the suit and the tie is probably the least professional person ever because they're behind on all the work. They're always late. Um, and even if they're not always late, they're just micromanaging, you know, this is me describing like, all of the David Brents that I've ever worked with. Um, so, you know, to bring that back to personality, that some of the people that do this the very, very best are people like ex-forces people because they are so disciplined and they know their trade so very well. And they've not been taught to do something. They've been taught to solve problems and to get to the end goal and the outcome um, by any means necessary using the tools that they can put their hands on. So when it comes to them delivering content, they're very pragmatic and they they own an opinion. So to, to really kind of bring that back to the personality part, you've got to stand by something. If you're not noticeable, then no one notices you. And the way to be noticeable is to actually believe in something and stand by it. Don't be stubborn about it. Be willing to change, be willing to learn, be willing to move and adapt and, and, and be pragmatic, not just dogmatic because you are stubborn. Be pragmatic and reassess your opinion, but have a bloody opinion. Um, be, yeah, definitely be open-minded about it. Exactly what you're saying. I think the, yeah. the challenge with some people, I think that, that put themselves out there, and I think this puts a lot of people off as well, is that they're so 
out there with their opinions and trying to, in some cases, force their opinions on other people, especially about what you were saying in terms of what is the definition of um, authenticity online. Uh, my definition is always like, right, okay, well, how, how do you behave in real life? Uh, I was speaking to somebody earlier today. Um, one of the things that I do is I, I run audits on LinkedIn activity because so many people come to me saying I'm not getting anything out of LinkedIn. So I'm like, right, okay, well, let's have a look at what you're doing and see what you can optimize and change rather than rewrite the playbook. And th the most common question I ask is if you met somebody in real life, would you use that language? You know, is that something that you would say to somebody? If not, let's let's tweak it, change it. Let's make it a bit more human because I think the the challenge with a lot of, especially with this personality and um, authenticity piece that people keep talking about, which is um, we've we've got to be this sort of B two B persona. It's got to be professional. But again, what is the definition of professionalism? And you know, it's like if you met somebody in real life, how would you communicate with them? It is always my thing. And also, like you said, if you want to stand out, if you want people to take notice of what it is that you're doing, both as an individual and also as a brand, as a company, you need to find a way of standing out and being a bit different. And people will gravitate towards your personality because we all do business with people that we know, like and trust, people that we share their values with. You know, and I think it's that like, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the sweary, sweary approach. That's something that really puts me off Gary Vee, but it doesn't stop me I think if somebody's sweary for the sake of being sweary, that would definitely put me off. But if somebody's doing it in a way that you know that's just how they speak or they're using it as a way to emphasize, then I think that's like, that's okay. But it's that I would, if I started swearing all of the time, that would come across as inauthentic. And also a lot of people wouldn't do business with me because it's off-putting to them. And it's the same way as like, you know, sort of people sharing certain types of content on LinkedIn or in other social media, some people will love it, other people will hate it, but it's a really good way of segmenting your audience with people that actually want to do business with you versus people that it may take you ages to convert them into a client. So, yeah, yeah. exactly. That, that That's the key thing is that, you know, when someone's ready to spend, they're ready to spend um, and they either spend it with someone that they like. Like we always see this for podcast hosting. So Captivate, the hosting analytics, you know, you, you start a podcast, you can use Captivate, but you can also use other other hosting companies. Um, and a lot of other podcast hosting companies, like you'll see in some of the Facebook groups, which podcast host would you recommend? And they're, they always jump in and they're like, it's us, we're the best. And I'm my stance is always like, honestly, do you know what? There is no best. This is all rubbish. There is no best car. There is no best hosting. There is no best microphone. It's just whatever you like and just make sure the people you're working with aren't idiots. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is it. And if you get on with it, just work with the person. Because I always use this kind of, um, this kind of, uh, I, I guess it's an analogy of, of like plumbing where there is no better plumber. There's tidier, but I might not like tidy. I don't really care whether my pipes look all right. They're under the sink. Who cares? You know, I might not like that. All right. There's on time. Cool. Doesn't matter to me. I might not be an on-time person. So better is subjective. So when someone comes out and says, I'm the best plumber in the area, I'm like, that's cool, brilliant. Kind of don't care. And then they say, well, well, what, you know, this is my USP. So you get this all the time with brands and products. They just don't know what a USP is. And this really annoys me because 90% of retainer-based marketing consultants suck at this, right? They will say, like, they're working with a company. It used to wind me up in the agency days. They'd be a marketing consultant 
that basically spends the first 45 minutes of a one-hour meeting talking about the holiday and the new car they're getting, and then 15 minutes working on quote-unquote USPs, which turn out to be, we are professional. We have been going for 30 years, and guess what? We will turn up on time. I'm like, that's like a given. So if a plumber turns up to my house, and by virtue of having the word plumber on their van, I expect them to be able to do plumbing on time at a fair price. That is not a USP. And the USP is just whether someone comes in, and I just think, you know what? I quite like this person. Seems like a decent person. I trust them. I've got to give a key to this person. So I trust them. And the way to do that is not to just bluster your way through with professionalism. It's to just be a person, like you said, down the pub. Now, this is something you, that you can apply. You know, treat, like you said, treat people um, offline as you would online and online as you would offline. But take that one step further. Um, I was very fortunate to get a corporate job when I was like 18. And it taught me early on that most people in corporate management don't really want you to do the job. They want you to do enough to stop them being hassled. So what that means is that very early on, I kind of developed this idea that everyone's kind of created fairly equally. Like you as a, as a brand new temp starter at 17 will get no less respect from me than the manager or the person that runs the business. Well, everyone gets the same level and everyone is treated the same. And I think I was fortunate enough to get that kind of mindset instilled just because I was in that environment at a very, very young age. Um, so I think if you transpose that to like back to the podcasting question and back to the marketing question, you know, when I, when I sort of interview people that like when I got Guy Kawasaki was one of my first ever interviews, you were talking a guy that worked with Steve Jobs and works with uh, Merck, work, you know, advisors Canva, great, great guy, great speaker. And I just treated him just like I treat you and my brother and Kieran outside there. And every, it's the same level of terrible jokes. And like, if he says something that's rubbish, I'm like, wait a second, that sounds a little bit like rubbish. We should probably dig into that a little bit more. Um, and that's how you that's how you get known in a market quickly is by having something that you are willing to put on the line to have that opinion to have that that kind of fearlessness you know when we went into podcast hosting we still do it to this day it winds so many people up um a lot of the incumbent older hosts were saying things that were just largely rubbish because they wanted to keep the industry complicated so they could sell more of their stuff to people that thought it was complicated and i was like wait a sec this is easy like hosting is easy. You put a file online, send the file when someone asks for it and then measure that download. Seems fairly easy. It's the other stuff that people care about, the support and stuff. So when we started calling those people out, it annoyed them for five years. And now it's taken five years, six years, um, but you, you earn their respect. And suddenly they see you're not doing it just to be that inauthentic kind of sweary, blustery Gary V clone. Key message there. Doing it, it takes time to build trust. It, it takes does take time. time. You just... <laughs> And the, the people see that you're doing it because you genuinely believe it, not just because you are trying to rush into this personal brand um, that you've been told you need to create. And the only way to do that, that you think is to start swearing. So you've got to, you got to have your message and stand by it. Um, whatever that might be. Um, it's fun that you were saying about uh, the question that everybody asks, which is like, you know, what is the best podcast hosting? And it's the same for everything. Like, what is the best tool to do X, Y, and Z? What is the best this? And so many businesses are being hounded by, you know, marketing experts, marketing gurus and such like, basically telling everybody what you should be doing. Like, you should be on a podcast. You should have your own podcast. But it's just like, right, take a step back again. Look at the intentions behind that action. Um, but then also, yeah, understand what do you want to stand by and I always say like what do you want to be known for so everybody talks about brand 
but the majority of people think of brand as logos, fonts, and colors. Whereas if you think about it as, right, okay, um, when I'm not in the room and somebody just says, oh, I heard Charlie Wyman on this podcast, what do you want them to be saying about you? You've gone quiet. <laughs> I think the, uh, the, the main thing and the, the main kind of, you're right, you know, it's, it's, it's that whole, what do people say about you when you're not in the room? But I think maybe a, a, a slightly um, more recent addition to that is you can always gauge that you've got a good brand when people start saying, what do you think? Because it, it becomes um, a transcendence from learning and knowing something to being an authority in it. Um, so we, you know, when I, when I started podcasting, I didn't know anything, didn't know anything. Um, and I think it was maybe the beginning of last year, year before, sometime in the past. Um, I thought, you know what? I've got a lot of opinions on podcasting. I'm going to take the plunge and I'm going to annoy some people. and I'm going to have to take it on the chin, um, that my opinions won't be like, but I'm going to start writing them down. So I started blogging them and podcasting them and, and really lent into them. And got slated. You know, there were some really OG podcasters. You know, there's some stuff that I wrote in the podcasting space that people were like, nah, that's that's naive. You don't know what you're talking about. This is ridiculous. Fast forward a year, guess what? Some of the tech predictions, the big ones that I got called an idiot for, are coming to fruition. I was like, that's just because I had the balls to go out and put it on paper and and kind of take it on the chin a little bit. Um, which then led to what do you think? You know, it led to going to speak at Harvard on on things. It led to one of our, um, the full transparency mode, we Captivate, inspiring an entire symposium in Boston. It led to um, be basically being asked about some authoritative stuff on podcast privacy. Not because I know any more than anyone else, but because I had the guts to put it out there and take some of the stuff on the chin. And this is the, th this is the, kind, of, the, the, the kind of takeaway from all of that, right? it doesn't actually matter what anyone else thinks. Like, it's all those people giving me grief, the people that give you grief, Charlie, because there will be them. There'll be people that give everyone grief. The people, you listening to this now, you know, you want to put yourself out there on LinkedIn or whatever. There will be people that give you grief. Who cares? What do they matter? Like, when you get to 80 years old, right, you're on your deathbed, your life's flashing before your eyes, the last thing you're going to do is stop at that moment and go, oh, crap, I wish that person thought a bit more of me. You don't care. Do you know what I mean? So I don't, it's fascinating because like everyone's a little bit scared of putting their own touch, their own brand. And you mentioned it, you know, brand is not logos. Brand is not fonts. They're the visual creative elements that make up a representation of a brand when all you've got is what's in front of you. But it's, it's, it's a whole Maya Angelou thing. It's what you make people feel like. Like we get, we had a customer, I think one of the other, yesterday, uh, I wasn't working yesterday. I was off moving house, but I did. I jumped in for this one. So we had a, a customer that was being like very demanding, but not not nasty <clears throat> until the point that we said, look, actually, do you know what? I'm going to be back in a little while. Um, I've just got to, I've got to deal with a couple of other people that have got a couple of urgent inquiries. Your thing now isn't urgent. We've given you like three hours of support. Um, I will be back to you soon. And then she accused, accused us of being very rude. And started, you know, started kind of laying it on with the SWAT team. So I kind of jumped on and took a look at everything that had happened. And I just said, look, you know, very, very happy to help you. But I want to, and, and, and I want to make a really clear distinction to you, though, that yes, you're a paying customer, but 
I want to be really, really clear that just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's unprofessional or rude. It just means that you don't like it. So here's the option. We can work together on the assumption that we've got mutual respect for each other. But actually, you might hear some things that you don't like because that's our brand. If something's wrong, you're going to get told it. It's my life's easier if I don't tell you, but that's not my brand. I'd rather tell you and you did it right. And if you're all right with that, then we can keep working together. If you can't, I can press the refund button and off we go. You know, we'll park company. Now, that's the brand. That's a brand. It's, it's, it's the approach to things. It's how you make people feel. And she was very receptive to that. She said, you know what? I never actually thought about it like that. You're right. I was a little bit annoyed, but actually it's not urgent. I'm not going to get to 80 and think I wish I'd changed my podcast category sooner. No one cares. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> so that's the thing, isn't it? Like, imagine that being a big flashpoint. Um, so what I'm, the, the, again, the reason that I'm saying that is to give a real life example of what brand actually means. Because so many other brands would have done one of two things. They would have either gone, yes, you are right. The customer is always right. The customer, frankly, is not always right. And that's all right because no one, if everyone was right, if all of my customers were right at Captivate, right, they'd just build their own hosting platforms. They're not coming to us because they want to be right. They're coming to us because they want help. And the other, the other way to approach that that other companies would do, like insurance companies do this, is that they just don't care. They would just say, well, you need insurance. We're the cheapest. Tough stick with us like energy companies do this. I was speaking to somebody about um, this earlier I was just like just because you have a brand or a product that everybody needs does not mean that you need to treat people like crap because you know it's mm. that it yeah I find it really shocking but exactly what you're saying about like likability um and you you made a point before about um the definition of good or we're great at this so like if we're great at being on time or if we're great at this this and this and it, it it boils down to what is your definition of great. And I remember because like, I'm not a trained marketer. So when I was in that first sort of marketing role, I remember working with um, a consultant years ago. And they said to me, and I was just like, oh, we're, we're great at customer service. That needs to be one of our USPs. We need to talk about this because, you know, we were the best in the industry of like customer service in our space. Um, and they were like, well what's the definition of great? Because somebody's great might be somebody else's average. And, you know, people talk about amazing experiences. People also talk about terrible experiences, but nobody talks about the things that are average or by definition, good or expected. So as a, as a brand, as a company, you need to know what is your definition of good? What is your definition of great? And also, how does that line up with what your customers want? And I talk a lot about customer profiling. Somebody was just like, oh, you're just another consultant that, that you know, comes in, does the whole post exercise about customer profiling. But it's so important because the more you can understand how your customers behave, what what's important to them, what is their expectation of working with you? What's their definition of good? What's their definition of great? then you can you understand where your parameters are and how to handle those inquiries and also not be afraid of saying, look, you know, you'd be better going somewhere else because you're going to get what you want rather than just constantly being disappointed or fed up because you want something that we just can't offer. And there's also, I think as well to that point, because that is a great point, but I think to that point as well to quote... Um, uh, to quote, I think or to paraphrase, uh, Harvey Dent from uh, The Dark Knight... Um, <laughs> You know, you, you always live long enough to become the villain. Um, so the problem that great customer service brings with it is that people 
get familiar with it. And indeed, it does breed contempt. So the second that you have to look into something for them, usually, and you can always tell back to the profiling, because these are always the people that want to pay less. These are always people looking for discounts, They're the people that pay late. They're the ones that you give exceptional customer service. They expect more and more and more. The second you say, hey, well, look, actually, <laughs> need to look into this. That's when they kick off. Um, and I think you will always, if you give customer service that is fantastic, which everyone will and should, you will eventually live long enough to be the villain. Now, that's when your brand comes into play. But you're right. Great customer service is not is not uh, a USP. It's pretty much a given. But it's how you handle the people that then see you as the villain because you've just taken that one minute longer than you needed to to just make sure you got it right. And they're the, because you're so good, people generally want what they expect. And because you've trained them to expect something, the second you take a bit longer, it's how you deal with those people that becomes your brand. And that's like my brand with that is, look, let's be completely honest, right? You're paying, you're paying us money. That's fantastic. We appreciate that. We love you for that. And we will do everything as always forever to help you in the very, very best way possible. But let's not mistake the fact that because we uh, transact, that there's some sort of master-servant relationship going on. Like, at the end of the day, you lock up your office, you go home, you see your kids and have your tea, right? At the end of the day, I lock up, go home, see the kids, have the tea. I do, we do the same thing because we're both people and just because we transact doesn't mean that you have some right to be how you are. And that's where the brand comes in. You have to have the confidence to stand up and say, Do you know what? Actually, that's a little bit off. Don't be like that again. I've got a three strike rule. Um, if someone drops an F-bomb at one of the client, uh, one of our um, team members, I step in and say, if you do that again, you're out. Um, if they do it twice, I'll say, this is your last warning. Legitimately, you will be out and you're everything. You will never work with us again. And if they do it again, they never work with us again. And You've got to have the confidence to do that because here's another thing. The biggest thing that keeps business owners up at night when it's not money is customer service. And especially if you're an empathetic person, like if I ever go at someone, I feel bad for weeks. Like I really do. Um, and it'll keep me up at night. When was the last time, you know, so you asked me earlier on, didn't you? Like, well, how do you get into podcasting? Imagine if I'd have answered well, actually, Charlie, I got into podcasting because I wanted to sit up at night worrying about customer service. <laughs> no one does. No one sets a business up to worry about their clients and their customers and, 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 and getting back to them and, and, and treating them like kings and queens. No one wants that. So if your clients expect that, they're probably the wrong clients. And you've got to, like, life's too short for this stuff. We, aren't, we, only, we only set up businesses because we want to earn money to do the things that we enjoy doing in a way that we enjoy. Like that's the only reason we set business. So we don't do it for any other reason. Otherwise we'd just get a job. It'd be far easier, wouldn't it, to get so a job? so much easier. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it? And yeah, we'd have, you know, we'd have managers breathing down our neck and, you know, all that kind of good stuff that we talked about earlier. But guess what? Five o'clock comes, I'd be off. And I really bloody would be. I would be off. But we don't. We don't choose that life. Um, so that's your brand. You've got to decide how do you want to act and how do you want to be perceived? And actually, if someone's going to write a negative review about you because you stood up to them and said, actually, don't be a tool. And I say this all the time, right? So one of the biggest things that people do, so frustrating. <laughs> it's fascinating, actually. I always, um, 
if someone comes back and they say, look, I want this thing, I'm stamping my feet, otherwise I'm going to write you a bad review. People do do it. It's, it's rare, but people Drives do. <laughs> yeah, it's blackmail. They're like, I'll go in all the podcast groups. I'm like, no sweat. Guess what? I will be there every step of the way to defend and to show exactly. And now here's the fun thing. And I'll finish on this one for you because I know I just ran on about it. I had this happen about three months ago, right? There was a, a client of ours that had been with us for four years. And there was she was leaving the service because she was moving to something that was, um, there was something, there was some reason for it. It was like it was more usable for her in her time zone or her look. Like there was some locale reason for it. And we just said, look, no sweat. It's great. Like, no, you've, and we've worked together for a long time. We really respect you. Um, like, here's all the stuff that you need. And she didn't quite understand it. So we tried to explain it. And because she didn't understand it, she got very agitated and very angry. So she started swearing, three-step rule. And then she started um, threatening. And sure enough, she went into a Facebook group and, and, and wrote a bad review based on lies. And it was actual lies. So I was like, no sweat. There's a screenshot of the conversation. How come it doesn't match this review? And that is not something that every brand and company should do. And it's not something that a lot of customer service specialists would tell you that you should do. But I kind of disagree with it because you spend, you put like Charlie for you, you put blood, sweat and tears into your business every day. Why is it all right for one person who's having a bad day and has got a gap in knowledge to undo six months of that brand work that you've done just because they're having a bad day. What right do they have? And they don't. And I think you, you have to have that confidence to stand up to that. And then guess what? That becomes your marketing. Is that, because <clears throat> then people see. Is that show and that don't. Yeah, you. that show and don't tell thing as well. Like so many people are just like, mm. right, I'm just going to tell everybody how wonderful we are and all the things that we do. You know, like take it one step further. How can you show people the amazing things that you're doing and the things that you stand by? And the same with bad reviews. And yeah, exactly that. And I think it, it's that hurt people hurt people. So if they're going through some rubbish or they're feeling really bad, more often than not, they then mm -hmm. take it out on other people. It's why like a lot of bullies, you know, come, something's going on with them. So I always say, right, if somebody's acting irrationally or if somebody's being like just a horrible person, don't automatically think that that is who they are because they might be going through something or something, you know, might be happening, which doesn't necessarily mean let them off the hook, but also like, Let's promote a world of kindness because yes, things don't always go to plan. Yes, things don't always go your way. But if you're kind and show somebody a little bit of respect and treat somebody how you would like to be treated, then you're going to get to you're going to get what you want at the end of the day. Um, you know, because other people will then be kind to you. Um, it's interesting what you're saying about customer service too, because I am. Um, so for anybody listening, I am a client of Marks of Captivate. So this podcast is hosted on Captivate. And somebody asked me that question. They were like, oh, so what's the best podcast platform to choose? And I was like, well, what do you, what do you want out of a podcast platform? Um, you know, because yes, I can say Captivate is wonderful and, and really great, but it's all about what you want. And they were like, well, why did you choose Captivate? So I'm like, well, to be honest, the founder likes DC and Star Wars. So that was a big driver for me. <laughs> but it's back onto that personality side of things. You know, it, it's not the be all and end all, but it can really, really help. Um, so there was one question that I wanted to ask you because we wrap up, we're sort of going over time here mm. now, which was um, around your thoughts on um, employee employees sharing personality and the effect that has on the brand because I speak to a lot of companies that are afraid of their company of their staff of their employees building personal brands or showcasing what it is that they're up to because my thoughts around that are um 
showcase the brilliance of the wonderful people that you employ because great companies aren't great because the founder had a wonderful idea or because the product is wonderful. Great companies are great because of the people that make it great and the people that support it. So why would you kind of keep them caged and hidden? Why not allow them to sort of showcase the things that they're doing and put them out there? Um, and also when they do, they're going to advocate for your brand. They're going to help you build that brand because again, people do business with people. So what are your thoughts on that, especially with your team and, and people doing customer service? Do you advocate them sort of sharing their brilliance and, and putting themselves out there or not so much? Yeah, absolutely. I think you've got to do that. Um, and I think, you know, we live in this world where they're going to do it anyway. So you may as well support that and nurture it and help them with it. Um, I think the only potential challenge with that and it's certainly not a problem it is just genuinely a challenge is that sometimes you have a lot of strategic things going on that you don't necessarily want parlayed um in ways that aren't specific to your plan so what i'm talking about is like say if we do a product release like the last thing i want is someone to tweet it from the team because they've been working on it and that be the first thing that users see so I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but I think it has to be part of a plan. Um, and especially if you've got a very specific brand tone of voice and a specific way that you handle things. Because if you do, if you do really handle things in a very um, open and public way, you've got to make sure that the people that you're talking, sorry, that your employees uh, uh, who are discussing things on, on social, for example, make sure that they're discussing things in a way that your brand would as well. So it doesn't need to be complete parity, but I think there needs to be some overlap in that, you know, I can't have an employee saying something that Captivate would never ever say, but what I can do is have them saying slightly different things in ways that suit their own personality, but that don't pull away from what Captivate is trying to do. Um, and it's, it's, I know that's quite a vague thing to try and get across, but you'll know it when you see it. Like we had, um, one of the team asked me yesterday, can I publish this? So we're launching some new analytics features either tomorrow or Friday. Um, and when we launch them, it entirely depends on traffic. Like, do I come to the studio or not? Um, so it will probably be Thursday or Friday, probably tomorrow, where um, we've got some nice new uh, analytics comparison charts and some like some playthrough data and all that kind of good stuff. You'll love it. Um, you've got all some new data challenge hey. to play with. Um, so one of the team said to me yesterday, do you mind if I tweet this from my own account or to put it on my Facebook? And I was like, well, actually, not quite yet, because if you do that, then it gets picked up early before we've released it, raises a lot of support. And I know you've been working on it, but then we get an influx of support, people saying, why can't I see it? Which then delays the launch because we've got to work with those people and get those kind of handled before we can actually dedicate resource to the release. So even though that person had been working on it and was very, very proud of it, it's when and how you showcase stuff. And uh, a good friend of mine, Dorothy Betts, person that we did some work with back in my agency days, she said one thing which was very profound and stuck out to me, which was that people always come to work to do their best work. Everyone wants to do their best work. So give them a place to shout about it. But, you know, overlaying what I've just said, make sure that it's done in a way that is part of your strategy. Um, because otherwise you can you can lose a lot of marketing juice if things kind of leak out a little bit. Look at what happened with PlayStation, you know, big example. But it's, it's your, um, um, I think it's, it's a great example because it also showcases the fact that you have that structure in place so that your um, the, the member of your team knows to say, 
I think this would be really cool to share, but can I just check with you before I put it out, you know, in the public domain? And I think that's also, you know, everybody thinks of brand as logos and fonts. And we've talked a lot about, you know, the external side of brands, but there's also a big internal branding piece where, you know, have you got those structures and those cultural things in place so that your team knows to come and ask you about things that they're not quite sure about, but they also have the freedom to to be able to do the things that will help you and will support you. So yeah, it's a great example. Okay, no, cool. So we're coming to the end of this and I did want to ask you a few like short questions <laughs> to, to wrap mm, it up because it. you made some interesting points um, well, really, really valuable points of something that I stand by a lot. Um, so you're in the podcasting space, especially me with LinkedIn. You have people that, I mean, at the moment, it's crazy. There's people that are doing a strategy session with a LinkedIn expert and then claiming to be a LinkedIn expert after it or people that are just learning all of this free stuff that people are churning out and then again claiming to be that LinkedIn expert and it's the same with you it's just like it'd be like me saying all right um I've I've launched podcast for a client and I've got my own so I'm a podcast I'm a podcast expert come and listen to me come and talk to me and you know buy buy my course so that would be a mistake for people to think that they would get good value from that course yes I can set you in the right direction I can point you in the, the you know the direction of people that you need to speak to but I am not a podcast expert how do people differentiate the good guys versus the bad guys? That is a good question. It's very, very tough because... So quick, quick, quick you response. Know, the second you know, <laughs> I know, right? The second you know more than someone else about something, you're an expert to them. Mm. Um, so that's the thing to consider. But, you know, you, it's hard to define how you can see how good someone is at something. The one thing that I would say is this. Actually, a couple of different things, but they are quick fire. Number one, there are so many entrepreneurs online and they're on my Twitter feed and I've spoken at conferences with them um, who flip and flop, like they tell you to niche into something in particular, but then start to teach you 50 different things. All right, that's telltale number one, that they're probably not very good at anything. Telltale number two is that they're jumping on trends. So they're into podcasting now. They were probably into YouTube three years ago. They're probably into LinkedIn like a year, a year and a half ago. Uh, they were probably into SEO back in 08 through, uh, through 2012 and probably social media are running alongside that. And they probably sell um, stuff that um, like looks good but isn't very good. Like buy my um, best self ever planner. You know, those kind of things. <laughs> They're just not my jam. Um, and... So that's that one. And then the third thing that I would say is that if you are buying a podcast consultant, they need to do, they need to show you one of two things. The fact that they can work in the industry. So like with me, it would be show me what you've done in the industry, right? Okay. I run four podcasting companies and I work with tens of thousands of podcasters. All right. My goal is not to build a massive podcast myself. It's I, I work with all of these podcasters. So that gives me a level that I, that I can, I can work with. Or if you're selling me a course, show me your downloads. Like, have you got the down? If you are selling the course, not, don't screenshot it, log in and show me the downloads that you've got, you know? So social proof as ever, you would always want social proof. So just, yeah, just get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm such a cynic. <laughs> I think, well, I don't know if it's Yorkshire thing. Um, I'm like that kind of weird hybrid. Oh, no, um, I grew up in Saddleworth. So I'm like kind of part Manchester, part Yorkshire. Can't really fit in anywhere. <laughs> but it's a... I was uh, drove through Saddleworth the other day oh, randomly. It's a wonderful place. It's a very village mindset place, but it's a wonderful I, uh, place. 
It's my route to IKEA, it turns ah, out. There you go. Yes. It's sad word, famous go, for all the wrong the reasons. Closest one is. Oh, big time. Yeah, you're not kidding. But yeah, the closest IKEA is Ashton Underlin, apparently. Yeah. There you go. Fun fact for everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> go to Saddleworth. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, it's been, I could talk to you about this for, for ages. So what's, um, if, if somebody's got questions about podcasting, somebody wants to get in touch with you for any reason, uh, what's the best way of doing that? Yes, thank you for having me, Charlie. Always a pleasure. Good to chat. Um, just hit me up on Twitter, at Mr. Asquith, M-R-A-S-Q-U-I-T-H. Uh, you know, we'll just chat over yeah, there. Yeah, Twitter's always a good place. And uh, for anybody listening, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me. If you love this episode and want to hear more, please hit subscribe, and I will see you on the next episode. Ciao for now. When marketing isn't your primary focus or area of expertise, it can quickly become very overwhelming, frustrating, and end up at the top of your I'm avoiding this list. If you'd like to make your life easier and get results from your marketing, then I invite you to come and join us in the Curious Marketing Club, a virtual community full of support, guidance, and know-how. For details about the club and for the show notes from this episode, please visit my website, charliewyman.com. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn from other people who are being curious and doing amazing things, then please subscribe and keep listening. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.